0: Hey, welcome back to the Forward Podcast. Lance Armstrong, your host. What a boring week it has been. I got nothing to talk about. I could talk about our our political situation in America, but I won't go there. Um, My guest this week is Heidi Zuckerman. I've known Heidi for about six years. She's truly uh, a force of nature in the contemporary and modern art world. Um, when I first met Heidi, she was uh, the director of the Aspen Art Museum. I then went on to become a board member there for six years. But our old building was, was really pretty unassuming, not anything that uh, would garner any news. Uh, but Heidi set out on this mission to raise uh, quite a bit of money in order to build a new art museum right in downtown Aspen. And it was something that, it was such a daunting task. I think almost everybody thought that she could not do it, including us on the board. Um, she hired Shiguraban, a world famous architect and designer to come in and, and, and design this structure. Uh, that truly is, is one of the most beautiful buildings I've ever seen. If you're ever in the area, anywhere in the Roaring Fork Valley, please stop by um you'll, you won't be disappointed by the art or the actual structure itself um but she did it she pulled it off uh, she raised the money she empowered the people she um rallied the community in a lot of ways although some were not so happy in the beginning i think now it's, it's been cool to watch our, our small community come around and, and really uh, begin to love the structure and love that all of the content that goes on inside it um, and, and by the way, too, just on a personal note, Heidi, if you're listening, you know this is a woman who, at the height of, of my downfall, when everybody left um, sponsors, my own foundation, et cetera, et cetera, they were called repeatedly and asked their position. And Heidi and the board and everybody at the Aspen Art Museum uh, leaned into me. And so for that, I'll be forever indebted and, and grateful to them, to all of them for for their support at the toughest part of my life. So uh, enjoy Heidi. Um, and if you have, like I say every week, any questions, comments, concerns, send me an email. v at we And if you're just sitting around sending an email or not, go check out we do.team and sign up for the Texas 100, April 14th. and I, I say it all the time. this is, This is the most beautiful 100 miles slash century ride in this state and in many others. Uh, Come out and join us April 14th. The field is capped. So hustle up and get over there and uh, and sign up. Enjoy Heidi. Talk to you next week. Heidi, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for doing this. My pleasure. As we we had lunch yesterday, uh, and, and we both talked about this, like it's awkward having a friend on the podcast. Like you know, <laughs> we were talking about Jimmy Johnson, but I mean, with the guy like Jimmy, I'm like, okay, some of this stuff you're just gonna have to pretend like we never talked about it,
1: right? But like this is the first time.
0: But we have not ever talked about this book, conversations with
1: artists. That is true, because it's new.
0: I didn't realize we had a, a printing.
1: A press? A press at the museum here. Yeah, that was one of the first things I did when I came to the museum. Really? Mm hmm I started the Aspen Art Press because I love books. You've been in my office. You know, some people think it's almost an obsession. But I think it's different having something that you hold in your hand and you can flip the pages and kind of fold them or put a bookmark in, underline, come back to, rather than reading something on a Kindle.
0: And I didn't realize, you know... These interviews took place over the course of 8 years, 2009 to 2017 some of them.
1: Yeah, a few of them were even earlier.
0: Wow. So what was so tell me about the the listener about the book?
1: So for years people have been saying like you should write a book, you should write a book and and I did a kids book a few years ago mm-hmm. which is called The Rainbow Hour, okay. which apparently kids love. It's very popular. Um but I did it with an artist named Amy Adler. She asked me, she said instead of doing an exhibition catalog would you consider writing a children's book with my images as the illustrations? So I thought about that for a while, and then I came up with a concept, and we did that. And I've contributed to a lot of books, and I've been the editor on a lot, but I really didn't think I had anything to, to fill a whole book. And then last year on my birthday, I was at yoga, and I had an idea for the book. And I've been having these conversations with artists really throughout my career, and often people come up and say, You know, thank you so much. That artist is, you know, kind of hard to understand their work or, you know, uh, which we'll get into, which we'll get into. And you've made it more clear in a way than I ever thought was possible. And, you know, you have a really special skill, you know, yada, yada. So
0: you, you, but you're interviewing them.
1: Yeah, they're really, they're interviews, uh, but they're really kind of conversations. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea, I never come prepared with questions. Did you record them? I mean, so, how do you, some of them were recorded. Like 10 some years of them ago. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Some were on the local TV show that we have. Yeah. Uh, some of them I was able to do over a, you know, email conversation uh, but the idea is just trying to be present and mm-hmm. make myself as available and vulnerable to the artist as I'm asking them to be. And so it's not prescripted. It's not uh, assumed. You know, there's there's nothing that I come to the table with mm-hmm. other than, you know, genuine interest in, in talking.
0: Right. Huh. And the, and I guess they obviously knew that, that they were being...
1: Yeah, they knew that they were being, that... you know, recorded. Yeah. Uh, but... It, it was never intended to to be a book, and then I again had this idea on my birthday, um pitched it to my team at the museum, and they all thought it was a terrible idea. Awesome, you know, and fire the team. <laughs> But it was really funny because none of them, I could just see on their faces, they didn't like it. And then one of them said, well, you know, I have a conversation scheduled with distributed art publishers, DAP, who distributes our museum books um, later this week, and I'll just float the idea. And I know that she thought they were going to, you know, kill it, and then she wouldn't have to be the one to say like, no, it's a terrible idea. And she came back after the meeting and said, oh my God, they love the idea. They already pre-ordered a thousand books and they want to co-publish it with us. And I was like, okay, great. So you know, right. then I told you so. <laughs> I was like, well, I, I thought we were onto something. So then we worked with them a little bit and said, hey, this is the range of artists that you know I've I've done this with over time. You know, who do you think would be most interesting or appealing? So you know, there are artists that I have these conversations with, many, many who aren't included in the book. So there's and, more. Oh, there's so many more. <laughs> we're already talking about volume two. Because this is how this is thirty? Yeah, thirty three conversations 33. with thirty-four artists. Yeah, there's one where there's two a artists. Double, right, yeah. right. And you know, they, they really like the idea of uh, hearing from people that haven't done a lot of these. And so for example, Sergei Jensen, who's included here, it's the only interview conversation he's ever done in his career. Um will never do another one. Uh so there are, you know, people who just who you never hear from. Uh, in their own words. And so that's one of the things that's appealing. And another thing is... But these are all
0: folks that came through Aspen.
1: Ex- uh, yes, except for two of these took place in Berkeley. Okay. The one with Peter Doig and the one with Shirenda Schott. But they've both been to to Aspen since then. Mm-hmm. Um, but these are, are from there.
0: Yeah. See, so for the listener, I guess I probably should have told you guys this at the beginning. But And actually, I have a question for you. So am I still on the... I'm not on the board anymore. My board term is done.
1: You are on your mandatory one year sabbatical.
0: got you. so i I was on the board for six years. why why don't why don't I know any of this stuff?
1: <laughs> you're like, busy. I am
0: such at the benefit the other night, you're like, I want to acknowledge all the board members and, and this is the killer gala, which ended up being super, super fun called now. And and like my name didn't get read out. I was like, I guess I'm not on the board anymore.
1: <laughs> well, to be fair, I, I mean, which is we gr- did have this conversation,
0: I know, okay. and i but I just didn't. I knew we had the conversation that was, you know, where do you want, what do you want to do? I yeah. just didn't know if the term was actually
1: up October 1 to September 30. So you're currently on a break.
0: I'm out. But so for the listener, I was on the board for six years. And most of these listeners probably don't know unless they maybe follow some of the socials or been over to the house. I don't know how many of you listeners have been to the house, <laughs> but like art is like this little secret side hobby i've had for i don't know 15 20 years yeah and it's just and that's how we met obviously and and um one thing i will say to you and to the rest of the board and to the museum and to this community and for the listener you'll understand that if you know that i was on the board for six years you know that about two years into that or one year into that things changed Mm -hmm. and everybody in my life corporations my own charity leaned out and ran and I'll never forget somebody called either you or maybe John Phelan who's the chair and said, you guys are going to ask him to leave. Right. And you guys said, no, we love Lance and we love him having him on the board. And I mean, that's just the kind of stuff I'll never, ever forget. So the listeners should know that. Um, Yeah. And,
1: and and that's right. People, a a lot of people called me (laughs) and I said, I, I said, you know, why, why would we do that? You know, Lance is a great board member He's generous of his time and his ideas and you know his wealth and um he's a great friend of the museum, and he's defended us um in times when people were critical of us and when someone's down, you don't walk by them you know and kick'em you know you give them a hand right so
0: well thank you and but most people do walk by and and they don't give a hand, they give you a kick
1: well, I try and do the right thing yeah
0: it was and and but we exper- we went through this which I wish that, and maybe I can show now that we're, you know, we're sophisticated in 2018, we're now have video, like, we've been talking about this forever, now we we actually did it, but, and I tell you this all the time, and I give you all the credit for actually getting this new building built, right? So if if anybody's coming through anywhere near Aspen, you have to come check out the Aspen Art Museum. I mean, it's, it is, it's so special. And it's, and the most special thing, because I have, friends who love it, and I have friends who just couldn't believe that we were going to build that thing right there. And to see those people now start to go, you know, it's not so bad. Yeah. And then a week, you know, or a year later, like, yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah. Like, they have come around. They do. And this town, there's a lot of curmudgeons in this town.
1: Yeah. I mean, building that museum was probably the hardest thing that I'll ever do in my life. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe not. Maybe there'll be some other things that are equal or greater than... But it's an incredibly beautiful building, can I see that and please? is that even?
0: Or you can go to Aspen Art Museum, but
1: yeah, but, dot org, dot org.
0: Yeah, but you did a hell of a job. I mean, a raising the money we raised.
1: Now, at this point uh, in my career at the Aspen Art Museum, I think I'm up to about 130 million dollars.
0: Raised 130 million bucks. So raise the money, uh, hired Chagourabon to design it, which is just insanity. And then the the greatest miracle in all of construction is to get something like that done on time. Right. In this place. We're not you're not building in in um Los Angeles where the sun shines every day and it's 75. That's right. Like this is a challenging place.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We were everyone kept saying, Well, we understand that you want to open on uh, you know <laughs> eight what was it? Um so this is so we opened in 2014. So anyway, we did something on Aspen's Day, you know, which we thought was 81611. Mm-hmm. So, you know, August 11th, um, 2011. Wait, wait, right. So that was when we did the groundbreaking. Right. right? So 81611. Well, so we sense. thought it was funny. Aspen's Day. No. Um, but then, yeah, we opened um, August 2nd of 2014. And... Had the most incredible exhibitions, the most phenomenal loans, so difficult to get from all over the world. And I knew that the construction team kept thinking that they were going to get, you know, closer and then say, Heidi, you know, we just need to push it, you know, a month or three months or whatever. And, um, and I'll never forget. I sat down with Paul Pariser one day and he, you know, tried to, you know, get me to be realistic about the fact that, you know, we weren't going to hit our deadline. And I was like, I'm sorry, but you know, no, is just not an option. Yeah. So. Uh, we did. We got it done. Yeah, that was the world according
0: to Heidi. No, for sure.
1: <laughs> I like to say no just means not yet.
0: There you go. We won't talk about the turtles.
1: <laughs> They're tortoises.
0: Tortoises. They so they we will talk about the tortoises. Tortoise Cuz this Tortoise this Gate. this is just I think and I cuz I think it speaks to just art in general and how people perceive other people's works. Yeah. But also it does speak to this small community here which is you know year round is a is a small community. It swells July fourth and it swells Christmas Day. But y- y- so when the museum opened, you had uh, Zygo Chang. Yep. who had these tortoises, big big, like big turtle. I call them turtles. Right. With iPads. Right. On their back. Right. And I mean, this town went crazy. It did, pra- the, by the but there was por-
1: misinformation. Of
0: course, well, there's always misinformation. Okay. But by the way, this is a small town with two newspapers. Correct. Go figure. But they both.
1: Well, basic. Can I tell the story of what I, happened? You sure can. Okay. Because I don't know the story. All right. So Saigao Chang, one of my favorite artists, and when we were opening the museum, I wanted to have a diversity of exhibitions. I wanted to show sort of the full range of options that people would get to see. So we had Ban, humanitarian architecture, okay, to show his um, disaster relief work. We had this Eve Klein, David Hammond show. Uh, we had, you know, a drawing show with Toma Apps. We had a ceramic show with Rosemary Trockel. Um, and we had this text-based piece uh, that actually is now in Austin um, with Jim Hodges, which says, give more... Um, uh, At the contemporary in Austin? Yeah, yeah. So, and... um with liberty and justice for all. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then we did the Saigao Chang piece. And one of my favorite works of art ever is a Saigao Chang piece called Cultural Melting Pot. And it sits um, on Naoshima Island on the Sea of Japan. Mm-hmm. And the idea is it has these essential oils and these Chinese scholars' rocks. And you can sign up and go in this hot tub with other people. And, you know, people get together and talk, yeah. right? And and, um, and it's mixing. So I actually wanted to put that work up on the Roof Day Sculptured Garden. <laughs> yeah, I've been in there. So they clean it. It's okay. Yeah. Uh, but he didn't want to do that. He wanted to make a new work for us. Yeah. And so he came to Aspen, like a lot of the artists that we show do, and we drove him around and he was taken up to Ashcroft. And as he was driving up there, he fell asleep in the car. I mean, he was the passenger, obviously <laughs> fell asleep in the car and had a dream. He's from China.
0: So he was jet lagged and Well,
1: he is Chinese. Um lived in Japan for a long yeah, time, but York. he lives in New York. Yeah, he exactly. Did it, right? yeah. So, he um a friend of his had just died. And so when he fell asleep in the car up to Ashcroft, he had an, a dream of his friend who had just died, and his friend came to him in the dream, and he had um this experience that he then wanted to record in the works of art so he got up to ashcroft which is a ghost town for yep. people that don't know and a lot of people feel like an old they're mining town. yeah Northern. yeah ghosts yeah. up there yeah. and the energy and um in chinese culture these tortoises you know live for a long time and they're a symbol of um of the other the otherworldly you know the ghosts the people that you know we can't see the ancestors yeah. etc So he had this idea of having these tortoises walk around in these ghost towns and record the ghosts that were there, okay? Okay. Um, So he wanted to do that with these iPads. So, you know, we partnered with, um, I can't remember what it's called now, but, you know, the leading organization, actually Tom Sachs connected me with them, uh, that supports like Turtle Conservancy and, you know, we hired the best vet and, you know, we designed these apparatus. these turtles were lucky. They were really lucky because, yep. by the way, they were in some kind of terrible place in Arizona, a bunch of them in these small kind of enclosed cages, and we rescued them, okay? And then we brought them to Aspen. None of that made the paper. So, no, of course not. And, you know, they're so cute. They had names. We fed them carrots. They would follow our guys around, you know, they everything was temperature controlled. They were checked on multiple times a day by the veterinarian. Okay, meanwhile, so some woman in Aspen um, never comes to the museum doesn't see the show, doesn't call or check, starts a change.org petition saying that the museum drilled through the shells of these tortoises Mm -hmm. and attached the iPads. Okay. Of course, everyone's like freaking out, right? Well, you would. Of course. And I mean, she would be right if she was right, but she was wrong. And then, you know, um, she called the Aspen Daily News and told them this. Okay. Their arts reporter was on vacation because it's like August, right? Their, you know, main owner and editor um dave danforth is on vacation and she writes an article yep. never calls the museum doesn't come over doesn't check anything right. and you know how social media works now within like an hour the thing's viral it's picked up by the la times yeah. you know um and it's all wrong so anyway we,
0: how did they how did it how did he get the ipads on the on the tortoise
1: back? so they were just there were these designed apparatus that were um they had silicone, and um, and they had checked the weights of them. I mean, the, we literally did everything right yeah. to, to check, and they were basically like a, a harness. So they were sort of resting on there. Right. They weren't attached in any way, shape, or form. So And they had to go back to Arizona? No, we actually did not um, put them back where they came from. We donated them to a place in Texas, actually. Um, and they live on a wonderful ranch there with someone who um, we, we drove them down there and so we actually save them,
0: so never hurt another them. Yet another upgrade.
1: Another upgrade and, you know, another perception reality gap, right?
0: But for you, and... And
1: what? I'll just say one more thing about it. Say it. it. So,
0: you can say whatever you want. You
1: know, we live in a time now, uh, particularly, when um, I think people are so fearful of offending anyone mm-hmm. and so concerned about, uh, you know, this idea of who gets to speak for whom and, you know, what art is okay to show. And we stood by the artist. Now, was that the project that I had wanted him to do? No. Um, But what we do is we empower artists and we give them a platform. And so, you know, we believe that censorship is a bad thing, right? right? Um, And so even though people were really upset with us for the wrong reasons, but regardless, you know, we stood by the artist and, you know, and we kept the work up. Yep.
0: Well, and and it's yeah and i would take it one step farther and that you know that the, that story that you told about him falling asleep and having a dream that has a real local like that's that piece was inspired here and without right. driving to ashcroft and falling like, it, it would have been something else
1: right and people in aspen believe in ghosts you know i mean like we did this i don't
0: <laughs> wait no do i <laughs> hmm
1: but in general, I've never asked myself that question. Like Aspen Country Day has a resident ghost. Her name is Miss um, Bess. You know, and any kid that's gone to school there in 40 years, they all know about. You know, Miss Bess. They haven't seen Miss Bess. No, probably not. Some of them maybe.
0: But for you, and I want to I just, and this is just what the way it happened, and this is we've had a lot of talks about this. This was it was sort of like a, it was like a triple whammy. You know, there was it, at one point the paper. You know, reported your salary. Right, town goes crazy, which I can get into how I just love defending that your our position on that. Right. So there's yeah. that. Then there's this, you know, very modern structure in a town that that has old. You know, it's like the old West here, like right. when you're walking around Aspen. So then you have people up in arms that that is actually going to be dropped into our small town. Right. Then the tortoises. Right. And it was. I was like, oh man this is kind of a brutal start
1: for the opening of the building. Yeah. I mean, it was, yeah. Yeah.
0: But on but just so the listener knows, so but, and we don't need to say the number you could, they'll, they'll all be looking it up anyways. <laughs> it's a, it's, it's a good number. And 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 people are like, how could she make that kind of money? And I'm like, look, if we, as a board, if she comes to us and says, you know, such and such museum in New York, there's another museum in LA or Chicago is, is, has called me. Well, we have a choice. do we want to keep Heidi or do we not? Do we let her go to l a Chicago or New York or Boston or whatever? Sure, we could do that, but we don't want to. so it's our decision to to pay her what she's being offered to go elsewhere that's that's the way the world goes around and corporate culture not even nonprofit culture
1: that's right, yeah, you know, and we talked a little bit earlier about the success of the fundraising. you know, you transfer that into uh you know a corporate environment. I mean that's real money. You know, Mm -hmm. so, and, um, not to say something about myself, you know, but there are only three or four female museum directors that have over, that ever raised over a hundred million dollars. So it's not, you know, may sound easy, but it's not, you know?
0: Yeah. You told this story at lunch the other day. We had, Heidi and I had lunch with Nancy and Bob Magoon, who's Nancy is like, she's the queen of Aspen. She's without Nancy Magoon, this museum, you're not here. I'm not here. This museum doesn't happen. And Bob, her husband is a doctor, is super uh, sick right now, and so it was. Uh, we wanted to just kind of connect with them, but we were talking about the first time as I joined the board. You said, "Hey, will you come? Oh, right. Will right, you come right. to this when lunch? And we're yeah. going to ask this, you know, ask this person for money and and which is what you have to do. It's what I did for 15 years at LiveStrong, and and you know, for every yes you get, you get ten no's. And exactly. like, we, this person took a pass. Right. And we walked out, and you were like, oh, my God, he's going to be so bummed out like this. this The one, the first ask I send him on, the person says no. I'm like, that's what happens. Like, People get to say yes or no, but most people say no. First of all, most people are not charitable. And so therefore, they're just like, no, that's, no, thank you.
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting because every once in a while, someone will say like, oh, well, you know, you're in Aspen, so it's got to be easy to raise money there because there's so much wealth. And I always say, you know, the more... money people have the more often they get asked so it's actually harder to raise money you know when you're working with people that literally get asked every single day you know so we have to be you know harder faster stronger more specific um perform at the highest level we could ever think of because we are an institution in a small town but we compete against the museums in new york and chicago and dallas and la and san francisco and And whatever other
0: causes they have there exactly they they have a hospital in St. Louis, or you know, Correct. I have a very successful wealthy friend. Uh, who you know, sometimes it's about money, but other times it's about time. So, mm-hmm. you, they will, you know, if you're that person, you get invited to everything every envelope opening, every dinner, every gala, every luncheon. And to him, it's more about time. Mm-hmm. It's like, look, how about I pay you twice as much so I don't get so I don't have to go? So, right. he, he gets to keep his time, right? Which is
1: Well, you know, I think that um, I love raising money. I mean, I just get kind of like a rush from it, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, mostly because I feel like what we're doing really matters, you know, and I feel like raising money is about offering people the opportunity to be a part of something that matters. Mm -hmm. And this, you know, gets back to the book a little bit, too, where I feel like, you know, if if you're fortunate and, you know, many people that we interact with are, then you can kind of do anything you want right? right and if you can do anything you want then i think what people really want is to is to find meaning you know and to do things that matter and i know that what we do with our institution really really matters right. in the lives of so many people yeah
0: the coolest thing is the amount of kids that come through the museum mm-hmm. like that gets lost in all this like you see the beautiful structure you see most people see art that they can't get their minds around mm-hmm. right on on a monthly every show that goes up exhibition that goes up but the amount of kids that are exposed not just to the incredible architecture but to the works is i think i mean that story just doesn't get told and john and amy phelan have been tremendous supporters of that and
1: yeah and so for example there's only one inpatient program for drug and alcohol addicted teens in the entire state of colorado okay Mm -hmm. happens to be in glenwood springs which is about 45 minutes from here and we partner with them Um, It's a six-week inpatient program, and we go down there, and then we bring the teens to the museum, and these are kids who their whole lives, you know, people have been telling them, you got to think this way, you got to act this way, you got to, like, fit into this little teeny box, and we say, like, you know what, Um, you need to be safe, you need to make good choices, but guess what, you don't have to think like everyone else, because... We work with artists, right. and artists don't think like everybody else. So here's an alternative way to express these non-traditional values that you have, or non-traditional needs that you have, in a way that's not self-destructive and is actually contributory to the greater society. Yeah. So, I mean, what's more important than work like that, right? This is literally like saving the lives. of and
0: you've seen that have an impact.
1: Like there, there isn't like
0: there is a Sarah or a Joe that. that... Absolutely. Yeah see that you know, there you go. I mean that's yeah. that makes it all worth it. And isn't there also some collaboration with the jail? Don't we have art in our yep. jail? Did I did I hear that? I yeah. should know. That I'm a deputy. I'm a deputy <laughs> sheriff, officially sworn in in this county. And I don't even I've never even been to the jail.
1: So so I have this. I've been I, close
0: <laughs> on my own accord.
1: So you know my perspective is that art makes the world better, mm-hmm. right? And anyone that interacts with art, I think is going to be Um, potentially happier, healthier, you know, enriched in some way. So, you know, my philosophy is that if people can't come to us, then we should go to them. So, you know, we got all the local senior centers, but so I approached Don Bird, who's the head of the Pitkin County Jail. He's our warden. Exactly. He's He's our warden. The old 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 dude. He loves to ride ride bikes. He's a great guy. And right when I got here and I said, you know, Don, we'd like to come to the jail and do art programs you know, for for your guests. That's what they're called here in Aspen. Mm -hmm. And he was super skeptical at first. He said, why do you want to do that? And I said, because it's the right thing to do. And I said, you know, I'll raise the money for it. So we'll come and we'll do it all on our own dime. You know, we'll bring in our educators. We'll bring in all the supplies. And, you know, can we try? And he said, well, let me think about it. So he kind of thought about it for, you know, a little while. And then he called me back and said, okay, why don't you come and, and try it out? So, you know, I went to the jail. And sure enough, we were there every every Monday, every other Monday, depending on the, you know, um, the court schedule. Right. And we've been doing it for, you know, the 11 years I've been here, 12 years I've been here. Yeah. And, um, and you know, a lot of people think a society is judged by how it treats its weakest members. Right. And, you know, we're giving back all so the in, time.
0: And, and, in, in the intro to the book, I, I would call it the intro you, you opened with this, uh four paragraphs of what I believe, and I only, I'm going to read a little bit of this because you just said that you believe that art truly matters, right? right? You say, the conversations with artists included in this book offer surprising and beautiful insights, not only into the process by which artists make art, but also why art matters. And it does profoundly, completely, definitively. They also reveal my interests and commitments to approaching life as a practice, resisting in general, a general effort to categorize in order to feel comfortable intellectually and emotionally. Etc. cetera. So it, you know, that's a big, you know, people love to argue that like, what, what is, what does it matter? Right. Like what? I mean, and I, I guess I sort of some, I mean, you, you know, you're all the way down one spectrum and somebody else could be like, whatever. I'm somewhere in the middle, but leaning more towards your side. Cause I love art just because, but from a very simple perspective, one, you know, when I go to a show or an art fair or a gallery, um, I walk in and I see the piece. Like, I'm, I'm not that clever. So I see it, and, and it's immediately do I like that piece or do I not like that piece? Mm-hmm. Or do I love that piece? Mm-hmm. Or do I have to have that piece? Like, that's the way I approach it. I can't approach art from standing in front of it for an hour and, and trying to make up this rosy thing. Like, oh my. I mean, we have people come to our homes and walk around and, and break these pieces down. I'm like, what?
1: Are you, in terms like, of analyzing it? Yeah, them? I can't.
0: I, my brain doesn't work that way.
1: But that's the most amazing thing. So one of my favorite things to do of all the things that I do that I love is talking about art with other people. And I love talking about art with everyone, I, with kids, you know, with people that know a ton, with people that don't know anything, because I think it is this alternate language, right? right. And so you don't need to know about it to like it or not like it or, or you know, whatever. Uh, but I think that access to art is not a privilege. I think it's actually like a basic human right. And that's one of the things that I am thinking a lot about and talking about and kind of making efforts towards, you know. And I can tell you another story, which is one of my, you know, life changing stories. So there's a a Venezuelan artist named Javier Thaez, um, T E L L E Z, is Easy. And before I came to work in Aspen, I worked at the Berkeley Art Museum. And I had um fortunate to travel to the sydney biennial in sydney australia and i saw this incredible piece that he had done and it was based on joan of arc um the you know original film and um and then also these interviews with women who were um sort of incarcerated in kind of like a psychiatric hospital and so both of his parents were psychiatrists and he grew up in a house where the doors to um their offices were often open to the house and so you know, patients would kind of come in and out. And so there wasn't the stigma around mental health. Um, so he, in all of his work, he works with people that have different, you know, psychological challenges. So um, so I wanted to show this piece in Berkeley. Then I got the job in Aspen and it didn't seem like it would fit here, but I went to meet him in New York in a studio. And I said, you know, I'd wanted to show this in Berkeley. It doesn't fit in Aspen, but I still wanted to meet you. And he said, oh, Colorado. He said, I've always wanted to do a Western. And I said, all right, that sounds good. And he goes, "Yeah, based on Oedipus Rex," and I was like, "Okay, that sounds really good. Uh, let's do it." So it came to Aspen. <laughs> we went to this place down in in your Grand face Junction. did not
0: match you saying, "Okay, let's do it." <laughs> by the way, just so you know,
1: did I look kind of nervous? Like, yeah,
0: like yeah. Mm, mm, let's, you, you let's look try like it. you look like the staff that you walked in and said, "Oh, I have this great idea for a book," and they were right,
1: like, <laughs> exactly. I roll, right? Eye roll. Hmm, a western based on Oedipus Rex. So we find this kind of. I don't know. They called it a clubhouse. It was called the Oasis Clubhouse in Grand Junction. And it was sort of like a halfway house, you know. Anyway, we go down there. Grand Tucky. So, yeah. So he pitches the idea. He wants to do this Western based on Oedipus Rex. And this guy raises his hand and he said, oh, I I wrote a Western based on Oedipus Rex. We're like, what? This guy named Aaron Sheely. So we're like, that's cool. Can we read it? And he said, yeah, yeah, I'll send it to you tomorrow. Okay, so sure enough, we come back to Aspen. In the morning, we get this script, a full Western based on Oedipus Rex. What are the chances? Okay, right. So we never asked anyone like why they were members of the Oasis Clubhouse, but this guy, it turns out he was, you know, a manic depressive. Right. Um, he had been a grad student in the USC film program who had to come home. Okay, so he stayed up the whole night, wrote this incredible script, which we ended up using and making into a film. Aaron Sheely starred as, as Oedipus in the film. Uh, Javier decides that at the last minute, he wants all the characters to wear these Japanese no masks, right? So these white faces, you know, no expression. So we film up at Ashcroft again. Mm -hmm. So here we use that again, coming back to the same place. I mean, the 40 degree temperature variations, we're in the emergency room three or four times with people, you know, dehydration. I mean, whatever, you can't make this stuff up, okay? So the film's done. Everyone goes back to Grand Junction. We had put them up here for a week, you know, um, in a hotel and stuff. So cut the film. Um, We do a screening. So everyone comes back, and their doctors come back. And Javier decided at the end of the film that each character would look right into the camera and then raise their mask up. And so you could see their eyes, right? Um, And I should say there were a couple really young guys in the film. One guy was kind of like a... Like a former rodeo guy. So we had them ride horses, you know. Then there were like some older women, and um, it's just a a real amalgam of people. And eventually we found out one guy had been um, in Afghanistan and had a head injury. You know, I mean, they're just full gamut of stuff, right? Um, So at the end of the screening, everyone's crying, you know. And one of the doctors came up to me and said, you know, when everyone came back to Grand Junction, they were alive in a way they never had been before. Hmm. And I just I had this flash, you know when you get like insight, and the flash was art saves lives, mm-hmm. you know, so like it's not just me like thinking this, you know, like sitting in my office like we I know this, you know because I've seen it happen,
0: yeah, and then you and you know it like it's it, it's for me or most of the listeners, like we don't i mean I know a little bit like I know one tenth of one percent of what you know, but but what i but but I hear you because. What I know, and I had this, I had Dakota Meyer on the show about a month ago, who won the Congressional Medal of Honor. He saved, you know, 30 or 70 or some ton of people in in Afghanistan. Um, But he came back a mess. Yeah. And and so, my point is the thing I know and the thing that I believe is that endurance exercise Mm -hmm. saves lives, Mm -hmm. not just staying fit and staying healthy, but. I just had this idea that in my mind that a a soldier coming back suffering from post-traumatic stress, if they could just have that outlet, whether it's a long swim, a long run, a bike ride, where they just, they even go back there. They go back to that place Mm -hmm. that that caused them so much pain. And so all of a sudden Dakota starts telling me about how he was literally dying. He's back home. He's drinking a, a, a handle and a half a day of scotch he's you know has terrible dream i mean awful and then he starts riding a bike
1: mm-hmm.
0: and i'm like what wait a minute like i knew that would be the case right. but that's the first time that i had heard an example of it
1: yeah so we you know i think that the greatest thing one could ever do is to be of service right Mm -hmm. so and that's that's how i run the institution you know like how can we be of service so we just started a new program for veterans and first responders and the people that love them you know care for them and um and we start out with with a meditation um a lot of lot of people have never meditated before um but we use that as a you haven't (laughs) come on over so never done it it's it's amazing and but i you know i fall asleep you wouldn't actually. But
0: I fall asleep super easy.
1: Well, so a friend of mine is active excuse. active duty, and okay. so I I um I had him come in and you know meditate with this woman before yeah. we did our first program because I wanted to make sure like the language she was using like that he would be open to it as a representative, right? You mm-hmm. know, and uh, so we're doing a meditation. That's how we start, and then we go into the galleries and we do like an extended looking, uh, and then we give everyone lunch. You know, and um. And that's one of the things we do kind of across the board. Like yeah. all the kids that come to the museum, um, everyone gets free lunch. You know, um, which we can talk about because you know we live in Aspen in a wealthy community. Twenty minutes from here, forty to sixty percent of the kids are on lunch right. assistance. So right. I don't want people to forego lunch because you know, sure, uh, or their key meal of the day. Yeah. they're coming to look. It's hard.
0: probably a really good lunch. So it's well, a really good yeah. Lunch, while we're at but it, but everyone gets it. Yeah. So, huh? Before, but no. You know what? Here's a question, and you may not have an answer, but in or maybe you do, but who is your favorite artist? And this is a stupid question. sounds stupid, but I just have to know the answer.
1: Favorite your, artist of all time?
0: Of all time.
1: You know, it ebbs and flows. Okay, yeah. I mean, it can't you know, has
0: to, right? It's like music. It can't be, yeah. you can't just say, oh, the Beatles, oh, Led Zeppelin.
1: No, because it kind of depends, you know, what I'm working on. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are things that are touchstones for me. So um, the reason that Eve Klein, David Hammond show was so important to me is because those are two of my touchstone artists. You know, those are two artists who, throughout my entire life, I am, you know, mesmerized by that work. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised by it. I'm confused by it. I'm seduced by it. You know, I'm um, attracted. You know, oh, I by got it, it. You, you got know? it all going. So, um, you know, so those are artists, and and to to be able to show their work together and to point out their uh, that relationships exist between their work, uh, which hadn't you know been seen before. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when I was a kid, I loved Clifford Still. Um, I was born in New York, but I grew up in Palo Alto in California. And so San Francisco Museum of Modern Art was like my museum. And um, they have a great collection of Clifford Still. And I would go there as a kid and, you know, sit in front of those big abstract canvases. Um, Now I really like works of art that have a sense of humor. Um, I think, you know. For the most part, people just take themselves too seriously. Way too serious, You know, so um, I like it when art makes me laugh. I like people who make me the laugh. In world, they take, you so, go
0: walk around Art Basel. Look at how many people uh, take themselves so seriously. Yeah. So I'm like, yo, this is a big party. You know that, right?
1: Well, so one of the works that I live with is a David Shrigley mm-hmm. um, drawing. And it's it's got a, a, it's kind of a grid of four of these super like weird, funny, you know, silly faces. And the text says, my other self and three of his friends. And I just love that, right? right, right. You know, yeah, I mean, it's surrounded like surrounded by his buddies. Yeah, and you know, who would your other self be, and would they in fact have friends? You right, know, Right, so
0: yeah. How about these auction prices? I, I, I didn't plan on talking about this, but you can't not because just two or three weeks ago, this Da Vinci sells know, for five hundred million. I mean, the record before that was a hundred and like fifty or it, forty or something. Yeah, yeah. That can Is that a real well,
1: transaction? It's, for, I mean, it's, it's a real transaction, but. That's not about art, you know? And so sometimes things kind of masquerade as being about things, but they're actually about something else, mm-hmm. right? And that happens in everyday life. Sometimes people say like, oh, you know, like I would never do this because of that. And you're like, well, I don't think it's because of that. It's because this other thing that you're not going to say, right? So now,
0: Are you talking about the religion thing? Because, you know, the New York Times reported that the Saudi prince bought it because he wanted to bring it back to the, you know, to the his country and, a country that's not Catholic, that's, that, that he wanted, I mean, that's sort of a, a, a like a ninja move, right? That's, yeah. a, that's a masquerade.
1: That for sure. That's yeah. part of it. You know, part of it is, uh, you know, when a work of art sells for a phenomenal amount of money, it gets all this international press, right? So it's one of the ways you can kind of buy your name into the paper, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And I mean, not just the paper, but whatever, right. any kind of media source. So um to, to take things that like to take the high bar right and to not just exceed it by you know 10 million or 20 million which would still be a lot but to like freaking triple it right Right, so i mean that's how you you buy a name for yourself right? right so um it's a power move and and you know i mean art art can do a lot of things right and i think in this case it wasn't about the painting um i think it was about um status yeah and power
0: and he wasn't alone like it didn't get the he didn't just raise his hand and go I'll give you half a billion dollars like there were other people that were willing to pay 450 or right. 425 Had or 480 like there, there there are numerous people out there for whatever their reason or interest is and i'm not yeah. faulting them that were getting yeah it there
1: well i would like to say that cuz i'm the eternal optimist mm-hmm. so i would love to be able to say like well they spent that kind of money because they felt like they couldn't live without that right um, but I don't think that's the you know, case. That's probably not the case in this one.
0: <laughs> Before we started talking live here, we were talking about, uh, I didn't even know you had this connection or had this relationship, but one of my very, very favorite artists, and for those listening, like, I get a lot of, I love street art, and I yeah. love street artists that have then become really fine artists that, yeah. that, you know, sell in the finest galleries all over the world, and one of my favorites is Barry McGee mm-hmm. from the Bay Area, and I've met Barry a couple of times. I never met his late wife Margaret Kilgallen, um, but I didn't know you were homies with him. And she was an old friend of yours. You guys were pregnant at the same time when you were at Berkeley, and that yeah. is so cool. Like he's, I love his work.
1: He's amazing. Yeah. And um, I before I was here, I was I was uh, at the Berkeley Art Museum, and I did a show in New York. Uh, so before, so you know, my trajectory was basically um new york uh berkeley aspen so when i went to berkeley uh i was asked to come back to new york and do a show of you know bay area artists so basically like hey you just moved to the bay area like what did you find there like come and show it to us okay so um so barry was in that show i think margaret was in that show too um and i I knew him before that but yeah we were pregnant at the same time and you know totally tragic um she passed away breast cancer yeah, like twenty one days, twenty four days after their daughter, um, Asha was born. Right. She um, was pregnant
0: and sick at the same time. That's right. Mm-hmm. Imagine. And, that. and so she,
1: you know, she couldn't use trait she was right, she treatment. couldn't
0: have chemotherapy because Well, right, she because she of chose ba- Asha baby on over yeah.
1: basically herself. You know. That is just... um and uh yeah.
0: He, he gave me once and Oh, when I get home to Austin, I'll send you a picture of this, but and it was really trippy the way that that this guy delivered it to me? He Apparently, and you would know, but she's famous for these envelopes she would make. Mm-hmm. Like, so he, and she would paint these envelopes, and he gave me one of these envelopes. So this guy, I was in, it was 2009, it was a comeback here. This guy shows up at the training camp, and he's super, he thinks like the KGB's following him. <laughs> and he walks in with his briefcase, and he's like, and it, it was, I was like, is everything okay here? And he opens his briefcase, and there's this envelope. That Barry had delivered to me. That it's used amazing. this guy to yeah, deliver yeah, to yeah. me. Yeah, and I was like, "Wow,
1: he's incre- an incredible person, an incredible artist." And so, with the the launch of this book, "Conversations with Artists," we have done these launches so far in New York, and LA, and San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And each time we've done one, I've had these conversations, um, new conversations mm-hmm. with artists. So when we did San Francisco, um, I had a conversation with Barry McGee, yep. um, and Lynn Hirschman. and uh. And then, and I hadn't seen Barry in a while. Um, He's remarried and then now. Yep, to Claire Rojas, mm-hmm. who's also a really interesting artist. Mm-hmm. And, and I ended up introducing them to a friend of mine. And then we, you know, went back out to San Francisco for Christmas. So we had a dinner party and um, spent the evening with them. And... Um, they brought Asha, you know, who's, you know, burying Margaret's daughter yep. with them. And I had my son, Emerson. Um, so that's who I was pregnant with um, when, you know, Margaret was pregnant yep. with Asha. And Emerson and Asha had not met before. And it was like they were kindred spirits. I mean, it was, Full I'm telling you, yep. like it was almost eerie how they were drawn to each other. You're talking love connection here? So, no, because no, he has a boyfriend now. No, I mean, he, he, has has girl, he has a girlfriend. Yes, so my yes, bad. Yes, my, yes, yes. You were talking about your son. He yes. has a
0: girlfriend now. We talked about that at lunch. Yeah, Lucy. But they it's were just girlfriend. homies. It was,
1: yeah, they they were like these. They Just knew. Yeah, somehow like these kindred spirits, and they spent the the you know entire rest of the time together. We went out to Bolinas, you know, they were going to surf, and he just said, "Mom, I you know haven't really met someone who has who I've so much in common with," mm. uh, and <laughs> and it just it's I don't know. We started talking about ghosts, right, and the yeah. belief in ghosts. It's not that, but it's somehow this kind of spirit or energy, you know, of Margaret. Yeah, cosmic. um yeah. And yeah, so. Um anyway, Barry has a show opening at um, Chime and Reed in New York on the first week of January. Cool. So people can go and see that.
0: I've never been I've never I've talked to him on the phone, emailed with him a bunch and, and never really been around him, but he strikes me as a guy that just would hate that. Like he just like the crowded room and him being the center of attention like he's he just strikes me as the dude who's like okay get me out of here
1: he's definitely quiet um and expresses himself through his art he is super consistent lives and works in the same neighborhood you know walks to work walks the walks the neighborhood at five o'clock every day talks to the same people um and i talked to him a little bit about what he had going on in the studio in advance of the show and um I think it's gonna be amazing. He mm. said he's got like sort of seven different personalities going on and he's shipping everything to New York and he'll figure it out in the mm. space. So I'm looking forward to seeing
0: it. Yeah. Last thing before we go, you guys, or we guys, I should say we, have the pretty cool travel program. This was, because I, I don't think I've ever talked about our trip to Cuba on the show here, but yeah. the museum takes a group of people, is it twice a year or once a year?
1: Once, usually, usually once a year once internationally. A year to
0: some some far off place so there was this was two summers ago where the 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 trip was to cuba and anna and i got the email and we were like because we always everybody i think most people are like dude i want to go to cuba yeah i want to go to cuba before there's a starbucks on every corner and i just and so we immediately hopped on that and you curated it with a, a really cool group of people and but you guys go everywhere you go to were you in Vietnam or you're going to Vietnam? Or
1: yeah, we're going to Vietnam yeah. and um, Thailand and Singapore this spring. But uh, we went to Cuba. Um, Cuba was just, great because um, it was
0: an hour from Miami. And the other thing Thailand that was great not.
1: about it, you know, is that our phones didn't work, right? So, I mean, you could buy a little, like, card or something and get online oh, for 15 was, minutes. I was
0: miserable. That part, that really... That
1: was a challenge. But it everyone bonded because, you know, you couldn't be looking at your phone. You know, you were really in it. And, you know, that idea of, like, yeah. being present and being in a place. I think phones work place, there now.
0: I think They a- might. I think AT&T and Verizon now work there. But you're right. When we were there, no phones and no internet. Like, the inter- you didn't have internet in the room. You had yeah. to go down to that exactly. janky coffee shop, exactly. buy the card, type it in. <laughs> right. Sometimes
1: it, it works. Sometimes, sometimes it didn't. Right. Or, yeah. or
0: sometimes or most of the time there were too many people that had bought the card <laughs> exactly, and were on right. the network. So you're out. Right. And you're like, oh, my God. What?
1: Yeah. But we do these art pilgrimages you know we yeah. went to In-Hochim in in um, brazil uh you know we did a trip to sharjah and abu dhabi and dubai and and qatar um we went to china a long time ago and um See, yeah all these are all so far so
0: <laughs> they're so far like i've done that. my whole life i've traveled far to do a job and like i'm done i'm done yeah. traveling far like cuba cool marfa, right you're right there cool marfa no problem that is that's <laughs> people people on here do know uh, my love of marfa it is yeah it'll change your life
1: so i just want to say something about you and art and um because you sort of um almost did a drive-by of it you know in the introduction to say like you know it's like a hobby of yours for 20 years uh but you and you know, self-deprecatingly said, you know, you don't know that much about it or, you know, you're not clever or whatever. But mm-hmm. I mean, your your house um, here in Aspen and Austin, you know, it's filled with art, mm-hmm. you know, and um, artists that I know and love, you know, for years and, you know, um, as we were waiting to start today, I, you know, looked at this Andre Serrano work. And I mean, I've known Andre Serrano since I was like a kid, you know, or there's an Ed Ruscha over my right shoulder. And that was and my birthday card.
0: I remember that. How crazy is that? Uh, look at the, I mean, I, I wish know. this yes. listeners were in this room. Four I mean, for oh. Ed Ruscha to yeah. make you a piece for your 40th, I was like, whoa, mind yeah. blown.
1: And I remember that and got to be part of that celebration. And, you know, but, but we did connect through art, mm-hmm. you know, and I remember coming over here and, and you saying to me that the reason that you liked art was because artists do what, what you did um, with the bike where you said, you know, artists take things that for the most part, no one cares anything about, you know, and they somehow imbue them with, you know, a magic, like a transformative notion. And um, that that's, you know, that's what, that's what you did. And and that's why you loved art.
0: And, and I guess now that, and not to bore you or anybody with this, but it really started when I've, I built my first house in 1996, so I was a professional cyclist. I won the world championships a few years before that. I was making decent money, so I built this home in Austin. Hired an interior decorator to do all the furniture, the fabrics, the the drapery, all this stuff. Yeah. And then, you know, a lot of interior designers, you know, buy art or right. buy what right art in quotes. what they yeah. think is art or what some people think is art. And and I just got to and it was a real gut check for me. I was like, okay, I love the couch, I love the drapes, I love the bowl but le- I want to own the walls. Yeah, And so that's when I was like, I, I really, it was a challenge to myself. Like, okay, this is, I can't just go down to the f- furniture store and buy some piece of art to, to cover the wall. I guess. Yeah. it's like, I have to, I want that to be mine. Right. And so with that, then, you know, that started my journey of, of going, I'm going to pick what's on the walls.
1: Yeah. And it's a way of expressing yourself, mm-hmm. you know, for sure. Uh, and you know, if you're interested in contemporary art, you know, which we are, you spend your life meeting these artists and talking to them right and changes your perspective yeah. so i can't tell you how many times i thought i understood something you know about myself or you know whatever something simple or something complex and then someone an artist had such a different perspective like totally left field yeah. and you know you're like huh it's that pause you know it's somehow like inserting that moment you know where you question mm-hmm. and you're curious um, that then, like, you know, the transcendent can happen, right?
0: You know what I love is I love, I love art with, and I'm going to get in trouble with some of the women listening, I'm sure, but, like, art with, like, boobs in it. Just because <laughs> the only reason I say this is because, like, kids, like, I have little kids. I have a 7-year-old and an 8-year-old. Most kids are, like, they see boobs. They're, like, they start laughing. Right. Like, oh, my God, there's boobies. Right. And so I just think it's hilarious. Like, my kids, <laughs> they're unfazed. They're, like, they're like yeah. There's this one. Actually, that piece used to be an Aspen. We moved it back to Austin. The, the wood sculpture Morgan Heron did that I bought at Armory many, many years ago, and it's it's a life-size replica of his wife with the octopus on her head, but it's two-by-fours glued together. I mean, it is. I look at it, I'm like, how in the f did he? he could he possibly do that? You Anyways, sure it, you know. she, she's got her boobies out. Yeah. And so yeah. our our youngest one, Olivia, she's like, she's renamed the piece. Right? We don't even I don't even remember what the name of the piece is because she's renamed it, and it's Lady Booberton. <laughs> And so it's like it's just like <laughs> I love that that like
1: well kids I mean one of the incredible things about them is that they just say what they think right they don't really have a filter right, right? so so I live with a really big humababa uh, painted photograph collage yeah. right and my kids now they're older and you know more mature but they always thought it was super scary they thought it was like this you know crazy scary face and we used to have it like in the you know, kind of dining room, um, in our old house. And they would be like, I can't eat, you know, look at that. Anyway, I don't know if you've seen it, but collaged into it is the cover of Aspen magazine when you were on it. So your face is actually like, I mean, you have to really look to see it, you know, but it's kind of, it's, it's collaged in there and painted over and stuff. So, but when I said to my kids, "Like, look, actually, Lance is in there. Yeah. You know, like it's not scary, right?" So you make these connections, you figure things out yeah. that just transform the way that they look at things. It,
0: it might be scary. <laughs> it might. Be. Some might say he's in it. It's scary. <laughs> they might. Okay. How do we buy the book? So Let's tell the people how they buy it. Okay. So I mean, we know who published it. We know you wrote it. Is this yeah. like an Amazon thing, or how do you how do can we
1: actually it? buy it on Amazon? Well, there you go. So. People. That's how. the Yeah. Uh,
0: the world buys everything on Amazon now. You can buy it on Amazon. Okay. So
1: you can come to the Aspen Art Museum. You can get it on the Aspen Art Museum website probably, but probably easier to just go and buy it on well, Amazon. Well, you know, when most listeners, so, if
0: they're in uh, Kansas City or, or Seattle and they go check the ticket prices to Aspen, they're like 2,000 bucks, <laughs> you know. I suggest... I they, think
1: the book's like twenty four ninety five. Right, so just, let's just go to just Amazon. go on Amazon. Let's and, cut out American yep.
0: Airlines and United and everybody else and just get it on Go to Amazon. Amazon. Yeah. Thank you. Heidi, thank you. That was awesome. That was great. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the forward podcast. Like I said, at the top of the show, any suggestions or questions, send me an email. The new one, the forward at we And we do is spelled W E D U. The forward at we Thanks for tuning in each and every week. Look forward to talking to you next week.